Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. We finished yesterday's programme on a very interesting note because having watched Paul's progress since leaving Ephesus, leaving the Ephesian leaders who begged him not to go up to Jerusalem knowing that his life would be in danger, we then uh, heard yesterday that right at the end of uh, this situation where he'd been before the courts, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Lord spoke to him and confirmed, yes, he must also testify in Rome. We're in chapter 23 and verse 12. And there's a conspiracy among the Jewish leaders to kill Paul, but um, Paul's nephew uh, gets to hear of this and goes and tells Paul. Paul, in turn, gets a message uh, to the commander of, of, of the Roman forces, and so they decide to send him to Caesarea under escort. And um, uh, he sends, the, the, the Roman governor uh, sends, or Roman commander rather, a, a letter, a covering letter, to go with Paul. And so they, they bring him um, to Caesarea, and the governor read the letter and asked Paul what province he came from. And hearing that he came from his province, from Cilicia, he said, I will hear your case when your accusers arrive. Four days later, Ananias the high priest arrived in Caesarea together with some of the elders and a lawyer called Tertullus to bring their accusations against Paul. And so they, they um, lay their, their charges against him. Um, they say, we have found him to be a troublemaker who causes unrest among the Jews wherever he goes. He is the leader of a sect called the Nazarenes, and we arrested him because he attempted to desecrate the temple in Jerusalem. Now, we've already seen that that was a false accusation. So we seized him, wanting to judge him according to their own law. But Lysias, the commander, came and took him from us with considerable force. He ordered our accusations to be made before you. If you question him yourself, you will be able to verify that these charges we bring against him are true. Then others in the delegation support those charges. Paul is invited to respond. And he says all the right kind of things to the Roman governors, governor, but then says, My accusers here did not see me causing any argument in the temple, nor inciting crowds in the synagogues, or anywhere else in the city. So they are unable to prove any of these charges they are bringing against me. However, however, I openly admit that I worship the God of our fathers and am a follower of the way which they refer to as a sect. I consent to everything written in the law and the prophets, and like these men, my hope in God leads me to believe that there will be a resurrection from the dead of both the righteous and the ungodly. Believing this, I, am, I always endeavor to keep a clear conscience before both God and man. I came to Jerusalem after being away for several years, bearing gifts for the poor among my people and to worship the Lord. When my accusers saw me in the temple courts, I was completing a time of ritual purification and was therefore ceremonially clean. 
No crowd surrounded me, neither was I involved in starting a riot. But some Jews from the province of Asia were there, and they should be here now to bring before you any charges they have against me, or else those who are here should state clearly what crime they found me guilty of when I appeared before the Jewish council. As I stood before them, I only shouted, I am on trial before you today because of my faith in the resurrection of the dead. So um, Felix knew something about the way, which was, of course, uh, the name that was given to the Christians. And so he says, I will judge your case when the commander Lysias arrives. So he's deferring to higher authority. And um, some days later, Felix, with his Jewish wife Drusilla, sent again for Paul and listened as he spoke of faith in Christ Jesus. When Paul spoke on righteousness, self-control, and future judgment, Felix became afraid and said, enough for now, you can go. I will send for you again when it is convenient. Very interesting what Paul spoke about. Righteousness, of course, Jesus Christ is our righteousness. It is through all that he did on the cross that we are made righteous, that we are made acceptable in God's sight. Living a life of self-control so that we can live in obedience to God and his purposes. And the warning of future judgment. You heard me say quite a lot recently that when I was doing this new translation of the New Testament, that one of the things that impressed me was how much there is in the New Testament about judgment, and yet how little it is preached about in the modern church. But even here, when his life could have been at stake, Paul is not afraid to warn Felix and Drusilla of the future judgment that everybody will have to face, believer or non-believer, that there will be a judgment of the living and the dead uh, on the day of the Lord. So, you know, that puts literally the fear of God into Felix, and he doesn't want to listen to any more. Uh, then Festus arrives, um, and uh, here again, you see, is a higher authority. So, um, as a favor, the Jews ask Festus to have Paul transferred to Jerusalem. Their motive is to ambush and kill him on the way there. But Festus answered that Paul was being held in Caesarea, where he was going himself. So he said, let some of your leaders come with me and press charges as to anything wrong the man may have done. So... After spending eight or ten days in Jerusalem, Festus left for Caesarea, and these guys have to go and bring their charges against Paul. But Paul denied the charges. I have not broken any laws, neither those of the Jewish people, nor of the temple, nor of the Roman authorities. Um, now, Festus is a politician, so he wants to ingratiate himself with the Jewish leaders. So he says to Paul, are you prepared to go and stand trial in Jerusalem? You see, this is, this is what the Jewish leaders want. Jerusalem is their own territory. But of course, they've got this plan to ambush him and kill him on the way. And Paul says, I'm already standing before a Roman court. I have not wronged the Jews in any way, as you well know. However, if I was guilty of a crime deserving death, I would not be afraid to die. But as for these serious charges that the Jewish leaders are bringing against me, nobody has the authority to hand me over to them. I appeal to Caesar. Now, Paul knows that by appealing to Caesar, he will be sent to Rome. And as we saw yesterday, the Lord had appeared to Paul and given him this word that he must go and testify 
about the truth in Rome. So Paul is not doing an unwise thing here. He is really acting in accordance with that word that the Lord had given to him because he knows that to appeal to Caesar means he will be sent to Rome. So he'll actually get there um, without any cost to himself because the Roman authorities will have to transport him there. So Festus says, you have appealed to Caesar, so to Caesar you shall go. As a Roman citizen, Paul had that right to appeal to Caesar as the ultimate authority who would judge his case. Now, a few days later, King Agrippa and his sister Bernice arrive at Caesarea to pay their respects to Festus. So we're getting another trial now. Um, Festus discusses Paul's case with Agrippa and explains to him what the situation is and that he had no idea how to proceed with the case, but Paul has appealed to go to Caesar. So Agrippa agrees to listen to what Paul has to say for himself. And we uh, read in chapter 26 of Paul's defense before Agrippa. And again, he says all the right things, that he understands that Agrippa is knowledgeable about Jewish customs and controversies. And he speaks then about his own uh, spiritual pedigree as a Pharisee, the strictest party of our religion. And he says, and now I stand on trial here today because I expect God to fulfill what he promised to our forefathers. This is the same promise that all the 12 tribes of Israel expect to see fulfilled as they faithfully serve God by day and night. Majesty, it is because of this hope we all have that these Jewish leaders are accusing me. Why should it seem incredible to any of you that God is able to raise the dead? So this is the real issue. Of course, the Jews did not want to believe that Jesus had raised from the dead. They had been spreading all kinds of false rumors that the disciples had come and stolen the body, that Jesus hadn't really risen or been raised from the dead. But Paul knew that he was, of course, because Paul had had this series of meetings of revelations of the risen Christ. Paul never knew Jesus in the natural, in his human body, but he surely had met with him in his risen, ascended, glorified state. So he knew of the reality that Jesus had surely been raised from the dead. Um, and he explains, there was a time when I was convinced that I should do everything possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth and all he stood for. And he talked about how he persecuted the church. And then we get the third um, description of his um, conversion that took place on the road to Damascus and how that must be completely, uh, how that completely transformed his life. And then Paul goes on to say, I teach nothing beyond what was predicted by Moses and the prophets, that the Messiah should suffer and would be the first to rise from the dead, that through him the light might be made known to both his own people, the Jews, and to Gentiles alike. Now, Festus interrupts and said, you must be mad, Paul. Your great learning has driven you crazy. You see, the thing that it was impossible for these Jews to um, accept was that the Messiah should have to die and be raised from the dead. But, of course, Paul knew the truth of that, 
that without that sacrifice, there would be no salvation for anyone. You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 